Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari. Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Today is December the 7th, 2017. I'm coming to you live from Speaker Studio and also on live.me. I usually have my show on Blog Talk Radio, but unfortunately for the inconvenience that they've been having lately, I won't be able to have my show that way. But it's always Nick's and Nanny's around that. Anyhow, I have a wonderful guest on because today's topic is we'll be discussing about science and the Bible. So I thought that would be an intriguing topic, something interesting to open our minds more up. Since I do a lot of affirmations, I thought this could be helpful for me as well. But before I get really into it, I would love to introduce my guest, who is Myra Heaven, who graduated from Purdue University in 1962 with a BSAE degree in um, aeronautical engineering. And he left Indiana. He came to California to work on the Saturn five um i mean saturn four rocket engine for rocket dying and he later worked designing commercial military airplanes um he has retired from doing that after doing it for 50 years and now he has invested his time mostly in theology and science and he regularly he takes bible students on field trips to try to to try to do um the same thing. He takes them to an observatory where they can learn about this. And this is his full-time life now. So, Myra, first and foremost, I'd like to thank you for being here on the show today with me. It's an honor and it's a pleasure to be discussing about this topic because we need this. We need to talk about the Bible. I need to learn more about the Bible. So, this is a perfect topic and discussion for all of us here today. Well, thank you very much. You're so welcome. What got you into want to take up theology, first and foremost? Uh, I guess when I was growing up in high school, my local pastor asked me if I would like to uh, be a Methodist preacher. And uh, I was torn between that and, and engineering, but I actually felt like... Uh, my true calling was probably more towards engineering. But later on in my career, uh, about 15 years ago, I got far more interested in theology. I was getting tired of working for Boeing. Uh, that was about 40 years into my career. So I actually got a degree in theology from Talbot Seminary. 
a, a local seminary in La Mirada. So I've always shared a love of God's universe and uh, nature, stars, and astronomy. And, but, but I also, um, I think I was teaching seven Bible studies at that time. I teach a whole bunch today, and I lead a couple of worship services. So uh, I, I think after you've had a career in aerospace for about 50 years here, um, that kept changing, but the Bible never changes. Theology doesn't particularly ever change. That's a quick summary. <laughs> well, I appreciate you for that quick summary. But getting right into it, we're here to discuss about science in the Bible and simply your expertise say on how science in the Bible simply cannot conflict. I, I think people's understandings can conflict, but God wrote two books. That's the way I think of it. He spoke the universe into existence. And he, uh, in other words, that this world and his creation and this world speaks to God. And if you have an open mind and you look at the stars and the moon and the sun and, and all of the creation, you're, you're kind of led to God, frankly. And then he also wrote the Bible. If, well, I don't mean he also wrote it. He absolutely wrote it uh, through human authors, of course. But... Uh, they both speak to God, and the Bible has a lot of positive things to say about science in it. Okay, now, we, of course, we know the Bible is not technically a science textbook, but it's accurate when it mentions matters of science. Um, we could consider some examples showing the science in the Bible agree, and that the Bible contains scientific facts that different greatly from the beliefs of many people living at the time it was written. For instance, I know you said in your email that you're getting started with Genesis, which we always, most of us have started off with that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The universe had a beginning, but in contrast, many ancient myths describe the universe not as being created, but as being organized from existing chaos. The Babylonians believed that the gods that gave birth to the universe came from two oceans. Other legends say that the universe came from a giant egg. Uh, I, I think the basic teaching I know, uh, at least through a seminary, would be the Bible would generate, excuse me, the universe was created hell, is it Neho or something like that, the Latin expression for it was created out of nothing. God created the universe with a word. He spoke to the universe. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And uh, there's a lot of controversy concerning Genesis 1, and I think it would be wise to avoid that controversy. But I have taken uh, seminary classes specifically on uh, Genesis 1, and there really doesn't seem to be any conflict, as far as I can tell, between science and what Genesis 1 says. In fact, I'd say just the reverse. Genesis 1 was written by Moses, who um, wrote the Torah, the first five books. And, and what's remarkable is that this man, who probably never, um, he probably never traveled any more than five or six or seven hundred miles before he was born. 
Um, he, he lived, uh, what, 3,500 years ago? Uh, but we can take his writings today, and if you have a scientific persuasion, uh, and you're up on your science, let's say you're a research scientist, you, you can read Genesis 1 and understand that it's just as accurate today as it was uh, 3,500 years ago when it was written. And the only way that could be is if God wrote it. I mean, the order of creation in Genesis 1 is very similar to the order of creation of, of the very latest, um, what the latest of science would agree with. Uh, it's almost like a proof that there is a God. Not a complete proof, but it comes close. Um, scientists today would read it. In fact, Genesis 1 is for all ages, all cultures. They can understand it, and it's meaningful to them. Yeah. Now, I will have to agree. I'm going with you on that one, Myra. Yes, I am. I'm agreeing with you. I'm keeping up. Now, just as far how how does nature clearly reveal a divine creator? Uh, that's what Romans chapter 2 says. When you, um, I guess one way to put it is to watch a six- or seven-year-old child watching ants crawl up a tree. I mean, they are just fascinated at nature. Um, children tend to uh, believe in a God. It, it's like they're born with that belief. Later on, they have problems. But whether their parents believe in God or not, they just tend to believe in God. You, know, you look at the stars, and depending on your background and your understanding, um, they, they speak of God. Uh, astronomers will tell you they came from a pinpoint of light. Uh, the, the astronomers would say about 13.8 billion years ago. Other people would say they were born about seven or 8,000 years ago, but whatever. It doesn't seem to matter that the stars just... You're overwhelmed by looking at what God made. Or you can look at DNA, or you can look in a microscope. And you're just amazed at, at what you see in the microscope. Wherever you look in nature, whatever you see, you can see the footprints of God. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You sure can. I think my mother used to have that. Oh, it was, uh, what was it called? Um, anybody who was growing up, it was called Footprints. So that made me think of that relation to that photo. It was called Footprints. I can't even think of the words, but I could just see the image up in my head. But Myra, do you agree that there are scientific errors in the Bible, such as the myth about the Bible says the universe was created in six 24-hour days? Um. That's probably a good thing to avoid uh, getting into big discussion because uh, it, it tends to um, lead away from God. But I, I think of Genesis chapter 1, uh, the purpose of Genesis chapter 1 is to introduce us to God. Yes. That, that's the basic purpose. Well, let me introduce to you Genesis chapter 1, which says, let's describe who God is. God is the one who made the universe. So what's happened is, we're, we're 
we're interested in how the universe is made. So we're interested in arguing about the universe. But Genesis 1 is actually about introducing us to God. And, and this is the God who created the universe. So the concentration is on God. And I would say that um, he created the word, the world using four different ways. At least there's four different Hebrew words for how he created the world. He, he created it by fiat. He said, let there be light, and bang, there was light. And then, and then the second day was a day of separation, where he separated the waters above the earth from the waters below the earth. And he created the world in four different ways, or at least four different Hebrew words, as much as I understand it. Now, he created the world using uh, six or seven days. And that's a fascinating subject, too, because the word for day in Hebrew is yom. And what we forget is in the Hebrew language, at that time, there was only two words for time. And and one was yom and one was something else. And I don't know what it was, actually. But yom could mean an hour, it could be a minute, it could be a day, it, it could be a year, it could be a period of time. And if you look throughout the uh, New Testament and add up all the meanings of Yom, um, about half of the time it means a 24-hour day, and about the other half of the time it, it, it could be an age, it could be an era. It, it, it has all sorts of meanings. Inga said it was a day, and people assume it was 24 hours, but that's not what Scripture says. Um, let me give you a specific quote. Go ahead. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, and let's look at verse 4 in Genesis chapter 2, okay? Okay. It, it says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made heaven and earth. Okay? So he made the heavens and the earth in a day. And how long was that day? Uh, that's obviously a period of time. That's obviously not a 24-hour period. Okay? Okay. Now, now you ask yourself, how long is a Hebrew day. A Hebrew day in the Bible is from sunset to sunset, right? Right, okay. In other words, when the sun goes down on Friday night, that's when Sabbath starts, and Sabbath ends when the sun goes down, right? Oh, yes, okay. But that's not a Genesis 1 day at all. Genesis 1 day, it says... And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. I'm reading from verse Genesis 1, verse 19. So, in Genesis, a day is a period of, of light, followed by a morning and an evening. Um, that's not a biblical definition of a Hebrew day. And that definition of a day is totally unique Genesis chapter 1. Everywhere else in the Bible, it refers 
to the Hebrew 24-hour day as um, sunset to sunset. Occasionally, sunrise to sunrise, by the way, but usually sunset to sunset. So um, most people miss that. The definition of a day in Genesis 1 is entirely different from anywhere else in the whole Bible. And also what's kind of unique is that at the start of Genesis 2, it, it talks about a seventh day, right? Right. But, but we miss the fact that there's no recorded beginning or any recorded ending to the seventh day. That's what we miss. So I talked to several people and they say, well, Moses just left it out. He just forgot to include that it had a beginning or an ending. Um, but I think that's wrong. You don't add things to the Bible just because you think they ought to be there. You read them as they are. The seventh day was blessed and the seventh day was sanctified. And I would say that anything that was blessed and sanctified has no ending. Anything that's truly blessed or sanctified is forever. Like God is blessed and sanctified, He lives forever. And right. when we are blessed and sanctified as humans, we too live forever. It's, exactly. So, and you have a lot of people who don't believe in that. We, I have ran into a few atheists um, as far as growing up and working now my job I have um, I run into them I, I would say that as far as I could tell when you talk about how long a day was or uh, whether it was 24 hours or whether it was um, an age or whether it was an era right uh, that raises so many red flags and gets the blood pumping so fast mm -hmm. that, that if you're not careful, you can go down what I call bunny trails or false trails. Right. Well, that becomes the big thing. The big thing is who is God? The big thing was see how God is the one who made the universe. That's what's important. And what's important is not how he created the world. What's important is he created the world. Yes, it's he did. It's all about God. And Genesis 1 is all about introducing us to God. Of course, Genesis 1 would introduce us to God. Now... Now, of course, this introduced us to God. Let me... I want to make sure I'm, I'm certain. Did Moses... Did he have anything to do with writing Genesis? Moses wrote the entire first five books of the Bible. Okay. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and, and Deuteronomy. Except at the very end of Deuteronomy, it describes his death. So obviously someone wrote that after he died. A little bit right at the end of Deuteronomy, obviously, because it describes what happens after he died. But yeah, Moses wrote first five books of the Bible, and that's commonly called Torah. Okay. Now, Myra, you get some people who reject the idea that Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. Why is that? Why do you think? Uh, in a way, it doesn't matter. Right. Because God wrote the first five books of the Bible. Yes, sir. 
uh, yeah, there's all sorts of series of authors and documents put it together. And, um, yeah, there are some very respected professors and very wise people. Um, but I, I don't know why, but that's never particularly appealed to me. Why? It's just a, a great way to go intellectually that kind of misses the point. The point is not who wrote it so much as the point is, what does it say? Yeah. Okay. That's a little bit better of an understanding. Now, we, we've been talking about the nature and some of the scriptures, but how can we use nature to really understand the scriptures in itself, especially for ones who are getting into reading the Bible, trying to understand it? Um, I think if we're not careful, Genesis 1 can be a barrier to belief in God. For instance, um, we had a French foreign exchange student live with us for a year, and he, he read Genesis 1. He came from a Catholic background. Of course, he was from France, and of course, that, that stood what almost everyone from France at least was. That's their background. And he read Genesis 1, and he says, how could the Bible possibly be true? Look, it says... The Bible was created, the world was created in six days. Oh, that's false. Science says it's created in 13.8 billion years ago. And, and he says, how can anybody believe that? So it just turned him off on religion uh, completely. So it can be a barrier because look how many of our young people have abandoned the church. What we need are, are people that can explain how, in this age of science, that, that Genesis 1 makes sense. So we, we have to have, we, we can't go around and say, well, the Bible's wrong, that the Bible is not the authoritative word of God. Look, it has a world created in six days, and science is 13.8 billion years and use it as an excuse. Therefore, I don't believe in God. That that doesn't compute in my mind. What we need is is intelligent people uh, explaining the Bible in the Sunday school classes in such a way that our youngsters, our kids, can relate what they learned in school with what they uh, what they read in the Bible. Yeah, they do. They definitely need to understand the parents as well, because if if I don't understand it, how can I teach my child to understand it? But should we really be taking the Genesis literally? Absolutely. I would say absolutely take it literally true. I'm, I'm a big fan on the Bible being literally true. But literally true does not mean we turn off our brains. Right. Literally true means that we uh, in, interpret the Bible um, in light of science, uh, and we we do things like look at the order that science says the world is created, and we observe the Bible says the same thing. And then we read Genesis 2 again, verse 5, it says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth in the day that they were created. 
uh, in the day that the Lord God made heaven and earth. And we say, that surely is an era, right? Right. That, that's not a 24-hour day. And then we remember that in the Greek, that in the Hebrew, there is no periods. There is no chapters. There is no... Uh, there's not even any vowels. It's all consonants, and, and there's no upper lower cases, just Hebrew letters. But the Hebrew that Moses used did not have paragraphs. There was no difference in date between Genesis 2-5 and a day in Genesis 1. It was just one big, long section of writing. So... We, we can't, we, we got to look at scripture the way that it was written. Does that kind of make sense? It is. It's making perfect sense. You know what? I actually have a question from someone. They ask if God can do all things, can he create a rock he cannot lift? You know what? I, I didn't think of that, but I don't, I'm going to let Myra ask that because I don't think so. In my opinion. Can he create a I missed that. Can he create a what? Can he create a rock he cannot lift? Hmm. He can, he can, I still didn't understand. He can create a rock that cannot lift. Can he, what? Yes, can he create a rock that he cannot lift? Can he create a rock that he cannot lift? Right. Just I think that. he could lift a rock. I believe because so too. when Jesus walked into Jerusalem, it says, uh, if we silence this, the very rocks will cry out. Does that not say that when Jesus went into Jerusalem on, on uh, Palm Sunday? Of course the rocks could cry out if he wished to. He walked on water, didn't he? He sure did. Yeah, when he died, there were earthquakes and there was a big rainstorm and... Uh, yeah, God, God can um, superimpose himself on nature. He, he created nature. So, of course, he can. He doesn't always do it, but he can. So, yeah, God can lift rocks. In fact, it says if you believe all things in prayer, you can move a mountain. Sure can. Right? If you uh, all you have to do is believe, that's right. And it also says that Moses struck. A rock and water ushered, water came forth. So, uh, in fact, Jesus said, I am a rock. That's right. So, yeah, God can create a rock, but he just didn't create a rock. He, he created atoms. He created matter itself. Now, if anybody have any more questions, please go ahead, put your questions up on live feed. Myron is here to answer those. We can answer. We, we're talking about, we're really focusing on Genesis here because that's the beginning of the Bible. But, you know, we, what you think, Myron? You know, we're getting close. I believe that we're starting to live in, we're living in the, the testimonies now. We're living in the last, the revelations and everything. I've just looking at the way things are changing, the weather, all this, all these crime, this, all this violent chaos going on around us. Um, I'd like to draw you back again. Genesis, it, it's kind of interesting. 
I don't have my notes quite in front of me on it, but one place in Genesis, it, it says, and he was talking to Abram, or God was talking to Abraham, and he said, your descendants shall be as the sands on the seashore, right? Yeah. The number of descendants of Abraham, right? Right. And then if you go... Hold on, everyone. We look like we got disconnected. Oh, it appears that Myron's call have dropped everyone. Let's see if we can get Myron back on the line. You are not able to complete this. Uh-oh. And that was, that is such a good discussion. It sure is. Great discussion. Yes. We're going to see if we can get Myron back on quickly as possibly. But while we do that, we'll just play some tunes at the moment. Maybe not. So of addictions and alcohols are falling apart. Okay. In the meantime, we're going to get Ryan back on the line. That's what we're going to do. Just like picking fences. You got issues that I won't mention for now. Apparently, I cannot get Ryan back on the line. I could just disconnect it, I guess. I don't know what happened there. I don't, but it was an interesting topic. Like it just completely went off on me, y'all. 
messed up. Like, honestly, like my phone just went completely blump blump. Myron, yes, got you back on. I don't know what happened. The line ended up clicking off. Let me put you back on speaker so we can continue this show because it's a good show. Okay, everybody, I have Myron back on. Thank goodness. So we got Myron back on. Don't know what that hiccup was, but I got him back on, and we'll edit all this good stuff and make it sound beautifully. Uh, Myron, we was discussing about Genesis. We was going into um, the creation we left off with you talking about that. Yeah, what what I was saying is that in Genesis earlier it said, "And your descendants will be as the dust of the earth." That's Genesis thirteen sixteen. I'll read it, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that anyone can number the dust of the earth then your descendants can also be numbered. And then Genesis 15, verse 5, says, And he took him outside and said, Now look towards the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And then the very next statement says, Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. In other words, this is prime Genesis territory. And that phrase... And he and and he said to and and he believed in the Lord and is working in righteousness. That statement is all over the New Testament. But what most people don't realize, and I'm stalling, not looking through my Bible real fast. No, go ahead. Hebrews chapter eleven. It also says, um, in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse twelve. Therefore, there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead, that as many descendants as the stars of the heaven and numbered, and as innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. In other words, the number of descendants of Abraham, and we are spiritual, will be as the numbers of the sands of the seashore and the stars of the heaven, both from the Old Testament and from the New Testament. And you say, how many stars are in the heavens? And the answer is 200 billion galaxies. And each galaxy contains a number of perhaps an average of 200 billion stars. So we have 200 billion times 200 billion descendants of mm. Abraham. And you say to yourself, how many people live on the earth today? And the answer is maybe about 7 billion. Wow. There's a big difference between 7 billion today and 200 billion times 200 billion stars. So strictly looking at Genesis and looking at science, we know that there's going to be 200 billion times 200 billion descendants of Abraham that are going to be believers. So we're no ways near that number. Are you with me? I am. I'm keeping I'm keeping up. This is some interesting stuff, right? It is. So 
So basically what I'm saying is is just looking at the Bible scientifically, mm -hmm. taking the Bible literally true, we're, we're not even remotely close to the number of believers that are promised us in both Genesis and in Hebrews. So you are correct in my view in that we are in the tribulation period. I agree with that, by the way. But, but I'm saying we, uh, I, I would assume the future of mankind is to go to the stars. So I'm looking at things scientifically, but also taking the Bible literally true and, and saying, in other words, and maybe in the future, people will look at these these particular verses and say, yeah, our future is in the stars. You see what I'm saying? Right. But, and, uh, but I mean, when we think about the Bible, well, of course, science can't tell us everything when it comes to this, because, of course, as you said, with Genesis, we're talking about the beginning where God created heaven and earth. And at some point in the history of time between 9 and 15 billion, what we're looking at, 9 and 15 billion years ago, the origin of the universe began. But like I said, science can't tell us everything. Like the great mystery is, is like like how that hot, dense spot, the first thing in the emptiness, the start of the universe got there. I think scientists ask the question, how? How did this happen? And religion answers the question, why did this happen? Religion tells us, is it good or is it bad? Is it good or is it evil? Science doesn't tell us whether it's good or evil, but religion does. Mm -hmm. so, so science and religion answer different questions. Yeah, they do. So this, the Bible is not a scientific textbook. No. But it's the Bible that caused science. Did you know that? I, I did. In, I did not. But you know, I was what thinking. What happened in Europe uh -huh. called the Great Awakening. And, and religion took off in Europe, particularly after the Protestant Reformation. And, and they started going back into the Greek scriptures. And, and um, what happened was the early Christians were the ones that brought about science. In other words, we have Sir Isaac Newton. We have Galileo Galileo and his little telescope. And, and we have all of these great scientists. Um, they were the, I mean, there's like, 30 or 40 or 50, Pascal was another one. So, so many of them believed in God. Religion took its start from the rise of Christianity in, in Europe about 300 or 400 years ago or so. Without Christianity, you can't have science. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So um, what happened was, is, is due to the rise of intellectual thinking, mm -hmm. due to the rise in, um, that, that Christians were the ones that 
started the universities. They they started the degrees. They they opened up the world to um, uh, hospitals. Uh, they were at the forefront of understanding how humans work. They were at the forefront of understanding how um, science works. They were at the forefront of astronomy. They were the ones that allowed science to start. They led the scientific revolution. But somehow Christians kind of abandoned science. In other words, they invented a railroad in England. And the Christians said, we don't want to ride a railroad. That's not God's plan for us. And, and other Christians said, we're not going to watch movies. Another Christian said, we're not going to watch TV. Or we're not going to do anything. So they kind of abandoned. And, and the colleges and universities today, um, Christianity is kind of laughed at in almost all departments, except for the sciences and psychiatry, incidentally. They, they are strongly in favor of religion. But uh, a lot of the humanities and other departments and the media figures, um, they kind of abandoned Christianity. Um, but science got its start from Christians, and Christians today should be at the forefront of science. Yeah, most, def most definitely. And I, I just feel like this, if we take it a little step farther, no worldview other than what the creator would likely have brought people to science. And yet it turns out that science is an accurate way of discovering truth about our world. That is, the scientific laws predicted by a worldview with a biblical concept of God and unexpected and, a, and any other worldview actually exists. Uh, science, God makes absolute truths. In other words, God says, <clears throat> Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and, and what is it, the life? Um, Jesus is the truth, and the truth is there is a God. Yes, it is. And that's not where you ask a bunch of people what your opinion is and take a poll. That's Jesus says, I am the truth. There are absolute truths, but in science, who knows what is true? Today in politics, a guy can lie through his teeth, and, and people will follow him because he makes up his own truth. And Jesus says, there is only one truth. Um, I, I, I remember that so strongly. Um, I remember I used to be a carrier boy in Indiana, mm -hmm. and I used to deliver the Indianapolis Star newspaper. Right. And up at, on its masthead, it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So it's through God that we have freedom. It's through God that we know the truth. And and truth means knowledge of the world around us. Does that make sense? It does. This is really getting deep into it because I'm I'm seeing different points of the view, but there's it's all so passionate and all boils down to this one subject matter. Regardless of how we even look at it, there's only one creator. 
You could call him Yahweh or whatever you prefer to call him. I mean, he is the creator. This this is how we breathe. This is how we go on. I cannot see it no other way. Myra, I, I can't. You know, I hear people say, oh, well, science, this science. That, yes, I do. I believe in science. But it has nothing to do with the fact of that you're able to breathe right now, that you're able to wake up, you're able to walk. Uh, science is just understanding the world around us. Right. Understanding this uh, earth, the moon, stars, all this good stuff. Proverbs would say, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you are a wise person, the, the first thing you do is you fear the Lord. When you don't fear the Lord, you don't know anything. Um, part of for instance, uh, Putin in Russia, uh, to me, he, he uh, tells lies. He says, I don't do doping on the Olympics, or I did not interfere in the election of the USA. And, and he has control over the media in Russia, so he's very popular. But, and, and the belief is, there is no God, and I can just tell people whatever I want to, and, and they won't believe it. And there's a general belief that you can lie and you can cheat and you can steal because there's no God and there's no punishment. Right. But when you are afraid of the Lord, because you are going to get punished, you are going to get judged. Um, I don't mean Christians are going to be punished, but I mean non-Christians are... are going to need serious air conditioning someday, or they're going to go. Um, when you have this fear of the Lord, then you can start to understand. So, uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, uh, wisdom is leaving a good life. It's knowing how the world works. Wisdom is knowing what to eat so that you don't destroy your body. Wisdom is going to the doctor when you get sick. <clears throat> Wisdom is listening to smart people when they talk, like your pastors. Um, to, to say there is no truth <clears throat> is stupidity. <clears throat> to make up your own, God is in charge of Russia. In spite of how it might seem, and, and someday uh, they will pay a price for listening to people that are not telling the truth. Now, I don't mind listening to a pastor, but also I feel too, Myron, you should know the Bible yourself because, I mean, anyone could tell me anything out the Bible if I haven't read it myself, of course. You could say you could say the sky was created purple, and I will believe it because you're a pastor, and that wouldn't necessarily make you correct. So I believe as as your own teacher, because we all can be our own teachers, we have to know our own information too before I even go to Bible study. I mean, Bible study is kind of like a reference. Like I already know something, but the Bible study is a reference to add on in addition to okay to clarify that okay I read this correctly. But I'm not just going to say, because not all pastors are good. I'm just going to put out that not all pastors are, are the holy sanctified. Nobody's holy sanctified. Nobody's perfect. 
So that's what be getting me when some people come up to you, oh, I'm this and I'm that. Don't act like you, you such, you so Christian, you so sanctified that my sins are, my sins are bad, but your sins are okay. You know, um, I was thinking about the fact when you said the seventh day, because my coworker and I was talking about that, the seventh day on whether it was Saturday or Sunday, but the fact that the seventh day is the day that we all risk, that you're not really supposed to be doing nothing entirely, but we know the world doesn't work like that because people still have to work on that blessing and seventh day. But of course that has nothing to do with science, but it is relevant and that what Jenna said has been reflected in life today. All major religions have a holy day to rest. Muslims have Friday, Jews, Saturday, and Christian Sunday. And other religions, we just take a day of rest, and even non-believers do it. So that matches perfectly with Genesis. But still, many question the idea that God will rest. Why does God have to rest? Again, it's, it's not a scientific question, but it's compelling nonetheless. But why not rest? Christ, Moses, and Muhammad all rested, so why not God? Well, let me try to add in some, uh, uh, I did a master's thesis on the seventh day, so I tore into that. There, there are ten commandments, okay? And the fourth commandment is to uh, rest once a week, right? Yes. The, 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 the Sabbath day, that is the fourth commandment, right? However, did you know that commandment is nowhere to be found in the entire New Testament? I did not know that. Pardon? No, I, I did all not know the that. Other nine, ten, all the other nine commandments are in the New Testament. Wow. But the fourth commandment to rest is nowhere in the New Commandment, in the New Testament. And the reason is, is because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. That's in, I believe, chapter 13, 12 of Matthew. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. The only way we can have true rest is to be a believer. We find our true rest through Jesus. Um, you can rest all you want to on Sunday. Right. You can rest all you want to, or Saturday, or Friday, or whatever day you pick. But if you don't know the Lord, you're not really at rest. Your soul is all messed up. But if you are a believer, then you, in fact, can enjoy true rest. So so that's why the fourth commandment is not in the New Testament. You can rest any day you want to. Okay, yeah. As an example, pastors tend to rest on Monday, right? Do you ever think about that? They take Monday off because Sunday is a work day. They have to preach the sermon. And I've preached a lot of sermons, and that's really hard work. That's a draining experience. So they rest on Monday, and that's fine. So just some thoughts on on the, what day we rest on. You can rest on any day you want to. Right. Okay. Does that kind of make sense? It is. It's making great sense. Um, someone wanted to know, because I usually don't go this long with my show, but since I don't have really the cutoff time, I'm going to get these few questions in, because um, someone said we are reflections of each other, um, each other's mirrors. But someone wanted to know this, Myra. 
What do you think about the Vatican? About the Vatican? Yes. Um, I'm not exactly sure how to answer that, <clears throat> except to say that the church is comprised of many parts, and I don't think it's a particularly good idea to criticize fellow believers, because they turned around and they criticized us. I mean, let me try to make a uh, an example, okay? I was a vice president of the Boeing Christian Fellowship, and all the other members of the Boeing Christian Fellowship came up to me one day and said, Myron, why aren't you teaching Catholics in your Bible study? Don't you know they're not Christians? And I turned around to them and I said, I'll teach anyone the Bible, whether they're Christians or not. Aren't we supposed to be evangelical? That night, I walked out um, of the Boeing plant, and there was a young, rather tall Vietnamese lady, and I invited her to my Bible study, and she says, I'd like to come. And, and, she, and she said, where did you get your education? And I, and I said, I got it from Talbot. And she says, is that Catholic? And I said, no, it's Protestant. And she looked at me straight in the face and says, I didn't know that Protestants were even Christians. So on the same day, a very intelligent Catholic told me Protestants weren't Christians. And in the same day, <laughs> a whole team of Protestants, the fellow Bible study leaders at Boeing told me that Catholics weren't Christians. Well, someone's wrong. <laughs> I, I think we need to have um, a, a more open mind um, towards Catholics. And I would even go so far as to say that a lot of my friends were Jewish, and they believed in God. But they also believed in Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name for Jesus. I I, I'm not saying all Catholics are Christians. I'm not saying all Protestants are Christians. But um, we need to have a somewhat open mind. So that's my story based on what I've observed in the real world. Well, my Does that seem fair? It does. It seems fair. That's what this show is all about asking the questions and giving fair questions and giving fair answers and I I do appreciate you for that. Myron, if I know because we get close to time, I know we went overboard and everything, but I love to make sure everyone's questions are answered on here just as much as possible. Um if anyone have any more questions, please let's make sure we answer them now because Myron and I have to get up out of here. But I do appreciate everyone on the live feed for tuning in. This has been a great topic. I love discussions like this where it's not no no one arguing about it, but you're basically you're just getting your you're getting the message out there. So Myra, if anyone needs to get in contact with you or if you have any more information to give us, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I um my suggestion is to, um, I, I think when you have trouble understanding the Bible or, or you, you discount the words of the Bible or you say the Bible is not literally true, 
I, I think you also tend to run down science as well. The two go to hand in hand. When when you say global warming is not real, I would say, then what do you believe about the Bible? How do you consider the Bible? That that there is when when you have trouble understanding God, then you tend to have fights with fellow believers. You tend to have turmoil within your own soul. You tend to tear up the earth. And you, you have trouble getting along with people of other skin colors. Um, but when you get a right relationship with God, then uh, you also can have a right relationship with nature. That's right. And as my, as my follower said, God is on love. Never, never fear. Never fear. But I tell you one thing, I definitely don't mm-hmm. fear any human being down here on this earth. That's one thing for sure. I'm not going to fear because if you're going to take me, take me now because that's all you can do. You can take this body. That's about it. This is all it is. We just walking around in the body. My spirit is on the inside. But who, honey, y'all going to get me testifying up in here, Myra. Don't y'all start me up now. Um, but Myra, thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I really do. I appreciate this and I hope that we could come again and do this soon. Oh, I'd love to. Can I say just one other quick thing? I would love for you to say it. Don't worry about what's going on in the world today too much. Don't let North Korea get to you. Don't let Russia get to you. Don't get too carried away because God's in charge. It may not seem like it, but he's going to win. saying that last part because so help me i talk about this on my affirmations and if anybody's interested in affirmations please message me on that because it's so powerful we do it every single day every morning and that's what he was exactly talking about on the affirmations of how we cannot let the media play this fear on us because we all have a purpose here don't everyone agree we all have a purpose and a mission here so don't let them play on you that the shootings that's going on, the 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 issues in Korea, don't let it take away from what we are here for. Myra, thank you for that message. I really do. But before I leave all of you, you know, regardless if I'm on Blog Talk Radio or wherever I'm at, I'm giving you this truth for the day from my friend Mary Ellen Signovich, who was a former guest on my show. <laughs> I would rather make a mistake than miss out completely. How many times in your life have you heard someone say, I really don't want to make a mistake? This type of behavior all allows someone else to control your choice and you end up missing out on a fun activity, experience, or opportunity for friendship. Most people in truth are not afraid of mistakes because all of us make many every day. You are looking for someone else to blame in case you do make an incorrect choice. Your ego always wants to reassure you. Today, make a resolution to always learn from your mistakes because they are the most valuable tools you have at your disposal. Enjoy the day everyone and if you listen to the replay please make sure you share with your friends and family you can catch the archives at www.brightsidewithtk.com and thank you for listening and have a blessed day i'll see you next time on the bright side with technicia god bless 
Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.